Good afternoon. I hope everyone is doing okay. Um, we are continuing looking at the book of James, chapter 3 and chapter 4. And as we've looked at the past couple of weeks, James is chiefly concerned with practical faith. Not necessarily what do we believe in our head, that's good, or what we feel in our hearts, that's also good, but how we live out our faith with real actions in the real world. And so as we've seen, James is going to say, hey, you believe in Jesus? Wonderful. I believe in Jesus too. But hey, when you believe in Jesus, that should change the way you do conflict. Oh, you believe in Jesus? Wonderful. That should change the way you view your money. Oh, you believe in Jesus? That changes the way that you do relationships. And today, as we get into uh, the latter part of James chapter 4, he's going to tell us another area where the gospel is going to reshape our lives. And he's going to say, listen, if you believe in Jesus, he is going to reshape your schedule. And I know that we are coming to the end of a year, uh, end, end of a season, uh, end of a semester, end of a school year. And it's a good time for us to reevaluate our schedules I don't know about you guys, but I, I have four kids, and the past two weeks have been absolutely insane. It's like all the events that they, we couldn't do during COVID, they said, hey, you know what we should do? We should put all of those events in the past two weeks. Uh, I, I see parents on the street, and they're just like, uh, it's like, we look at our schedule, and it's like, this is like insane. This is packed. Are we... Like, how do we fit everything in? And we look at the book of James, and he's not so concerned about, um, can we do all this stuff? He's concerned about the question, should we be doing all this stuff? What should we be filling our calendars with? How should we be leveraging our time in this world? What do you do with your time? What are the priorities of your schedule? How should we go about making plans as Christians? The answer to these questions will point to what we value and what we trust in. What you value most will determine how you plan your schedule. Except several years ago, I got really into European soccer. That was a new value for me. And that value reshaped my schedule. If you value that promotion that you've been going for, guess what? That's going to change your schedule. If you value a certain ministry or you're passionate about a certain um, area of the city, that will change the way that you schedule your life. And what we're going to see in the book of James this afternoon, James wants to poke at this question, which is very uncomfortable, and the question is, is, you say that Jesus is Lord. If I were to look at your calendar, does Jesus is Lord come through? Is Christ king of your planning and your time? So we're going to look at James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. <clears throat> come now, you who say... Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So what I want to do this afternoon is break this passage apart in two, in two ways. We're going to see first excuse me, the problems with the way that we plan, and then we're going to see God's purposes in the way that we plan. So problems in planning. Verse 13 and 14, he says, we have two primary problems, two um, misunderstandings when it comes to our planning. First, our time is more uncontrollable than we want. And second, our time is shorter than we think. Our time is more uncontrollable than we want. The example that uh, James gives is of a business owner. And he's like, okay, imagine there's this business owner, owner and he says to himself, here's what I'm going to do. Tomorrow, I go to Boston. I'm going to close the deal. Then I'm going to go back to New York and then I'm going to launch this other initiative. And then next month, I'm going to raise another round of capital, and we're going to develop this product over here. And then after that, I'm going to do this, and the next day I'm going to do that, and here's the plan. And I think we read that as New Yorkers, and we think, what's wrong with that? That sounds pretty good. He sounds like a hard worker. He sounds like a strategic thinker. He sounds like a good guy. (laughs) James is not telling us that planning is bad. He's not saying that we should just wing it. What he is saying is, you have forgotten in all of your planning, all of your goals and dreams, it's fine. You have forgotten something very important. You actually have no clue what tomorrow is going to bring. The point James is making is about arrogance and about control. Not, hey, you planners, type A people are getting nervous. They're like, oh, no. (laughs) He's not talking about that. He's saying there's a way to approach our future that is arrogant and over-controlling. We like to control our future like it's a um, fantasy football team. You know, like we're the owner, and I'm going to pick who I want to pick. I'm going to put in who I want to put in. We're going to do this trade. We're going to do that deal. We're going to play this game. We're going to do that, and we're going to win the game. And God's like, your life is not like your fantasy football team. You don't, you're not in control. I wish we were. But James is like, if we just like step back for a minute and we're willing to humble ourselves and say, actually, you know what? Man, for all of my planning, I got me at the center. It's a me-centered plan. It's an attitude where we play God. Or we say, gosh, the way that I move forward in my life, I want to be God. I know what is happening in my future because I'm in charge. I know what should be happening in my life right now because I know what is best. Uh, The poet William Ernest Henley famously articulated it this way. He said, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Very famous line in poetry. I am the master of my fate and the captain of my soul. I'm in charge. I'm at the center. And so can we all just plan our future accordingly? 
I'm getting ahead. I'm moving on. I'm fulfilling my dreams. I'm reaching my goals. It's about me. And James just says, hey, time out. Actually, it's not about you. It's about God. And I know you think you're in control, but actually God is in control. And we will avoid a lot of heartache. We will avoid a lot of frustration when we realize that despite our best efforts, we cannot control the future. So James says, what if we just began to view life with a bit more humility? To receive life as a gift. To understand that God has a good purpose for this season, for this moment, for this time, even if it doesn't look like the way that you planned it. So often, we're frustrated with our lives. We're frustrated with God because we had our plan. Tomorrow, we're going to do this. Next day, we're going to do that. We're going to do this. And it's not going according to plan. And we're just like, God, why didn't you get the memo? Because here is where we're going. But instead of banging our heads against the wall, trying to align God to our schedule, what if we began to align our schedule with God's heart? Instead of saying, God, why are you doing this? It makes no sense to me. Get on my page. What if we just began to ask the question, God, what do you want me to see in this circumstance that you put me in? Maybe it's not actually what I wanted. It's not how I planned it, but here it is. What are you trying to teach me, Lord? What are you calling me to do? Who are you calling, to me, calling me to be? How are you trying to shape me? Where do you need me to step out in faith? This is not the plan, but apparently this is your plan. So here I am, God, I'm going to step into it. Maybe it's a sick family member. And last year, you couldn't have imagined you would be spending so much time caring for a sick family member. Maybe it's a frustrating job situation. And you're like, God, why am I wasting all of my time on this stupid job? This boss that drives me crazy. Maybe it's an issue with one of your kids. And you're like, God, I had a plan for my kids. This was not it. And it all feels out of control. And our good Father in heaven is saying, I know it feels out of control, but I just want to reassure you today there is somebody in control. I am in control. And I am infinitely wise. And I am infinitely loving. I see you and I love you. So our first problem is uh, we're, we tend to think we're in more, more control than we are. Secondly, the problem with our planning is our time is shorter than we think. What is your life? It's a good question. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We are a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow, our lives are fleeting, they're short, they're fragile, and they're mostly forgotten about when they're done. This feels a bit like an anti-graduation speech, and I'm sorry. Um, but I wonder how many of you know the first name of your great-grandfather? Anybody? Probably a few people. Not many of us even know the first name of our great-grandfather. Grandfather. 
His blood is in your veins. He's family. He's part of your legacy. And we know nothing about him. He's completely forgotten, even by his own family. And this is sobering. We don't like hearing it, but this is what the word of God says. It's true. Our time on planet Earth is short. Here today, gone tomorrow. It always amazes me when I talk to other parents who are a season ahead of me. And they all say the exact same thing. They view me and my wife. We have four little kids. We're tired. We're running around crazy. And they look at us and they say the same exact thing every single time. Enjoy it. It goes so fast. It's a mist. You might think you're in the fog, but it's gone. Just like that. I read a stat this week that said 93% of the time that you will ever spend with your kids will be before the age of 18. The remaining 7% of time you spend with your kids will be spread out over the next 50 years. And it just made me think like, man, my oldest son is 11 years old. I have seven more years till the majority of the time I spend with him will be in the next seven years. He's gone. It's over. The stat said also that 75% of the time that you will ever spend with your kids is before the age of 12. And we think, goodness, our time is so short. God in heaven, would you help me see how short it is when I'm just trying to get through it? Like just begging God for it to be bedtime. Begging God for it to be five o'clock and to go home. Begging God for it to be summer and not spring. Begging God for the vacation to come. And we're missing all of these moments in the mist. The problem is not just that our moments are short. The problem is that we don't live fully in the moments that we have. We often live in the past or the future. We think, gosh, if I could just go back to the glory days, you know, when things were better, when I was more fulfilled, when this was, that person was still around, or I had this, or I had that. God, if I could just go back. Or we think, God, you know what? I'm just going to wait for the future. Like when I, the next season is going to be the one where I really live fully. Maybe it's uh, when I get married, God, that's going to be it. Or when I have kids, or when my kids are out of the house, or when I have that promotion, or I get the next thing when life is not so busy. Then, God, I will be fulfilled. Then, God, I'm going to serve you. Then, God, I'm going to be happy. Then, God, all the stuff. Life is going to begin. And I think what James wants us to say is like, hey, all you got is a mist. You got your moment in the mist. So you could waste your time looking back or looking forward. But all you got is right now. And it's going to be gone. The psalmist says it so beautifully. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. <laughs> what a prayer. God, help me realize all of this is a mist. Help me to number my days so that I can live with wisdom in the here and now, in the little time that you've given to me. Our time is more uncontrollable than we want, and our time is shorter than we think. So what's the answer? 
What's the greater purpose in the way that we can view our time and our life? The purpose and the planning. From this passage, I want to draw out three characteristics of a godly, humble approach to our calendars, our schedule, our time. The first marker of the way that we should be using our time is we use it with humble dependence. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. James is not saying that anytime you mention any plans, you have to say, if the Lord wills. Hey, you want to grab a taco after church with me? If the Lord wills. You want to come over for dinner on Tuesday night? If the Lord wills. That's fine if you do that. It's not a problem. But James is not talking about the words that come out of our mouth. He's talking about a, a, a posture of the heart. And the posture of the heart is, hey, I'm not trying to get ahead of God. So in the back of my mind, any plans that I'm making are subject to God's providence, are subject to God's provision and his strength and his grace. So I'm going to plan. Planning is good. I'm going to then submit those plans in humble dependence to God. As the proverb says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. God, I'm going to do all I can on my part. I'm going to plan. But then at the end of the day, I realize my planning can only go so far. Think about, again, a parenting example. I'm planning for my kids. I want my kids to succeed. I want my kids to know Jesus. I want my kids to thrive. So I'm planning for those things. But at the end of the day, it is out of my hands. That's a work of God. So I'm going to plan my steps, but God, you've got to establish them. I need you to move. It's true for our churches. You know, I think about every week I sit down with my staff. And we have dreams and plans for the church. God, we want to move the mission forward. How are we going to execute it? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? When are we going to do that? How are we going to communicate it? But at the end of the meeting, you take a step back and we're like, we, we spend moments in prayer and we just say, God, um, with our limited brains, and our limited gifting and ability, here is what we think best in following you for the church. But... We're bringing those things under your authority. If the Spirit of God is moving a different way, we're going with you. God, if this plan is not the right plan, we're going with you. God, we, we, this plan is flimsy without the Spirit of the living God blowing on it. And so we look at our schedule with holy, or excuse me, humble dependence. As we move forward in these prayers and these plans, your kingdom come. We also must rely on God's daily bread. Moving forward in humility means that we are dependent on his grace. Second, our plans are marked with confident steps. And I know this might sound like a contradiction to what I've already said, where the business guy is confident, right? He's saying, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're going here, we're going there. And you say, well, what's the difference between this arrogant planning and confident steps. Arrogant planning says, I'm in charge, so I will arrange the, my life for me. Confident action is different. It says, God is in charge so, that I, so I can step into any circumstance with confidence. The old hymn says, this is my father's world. Think about that. This is my father's world. 
Do I need to be intimidated when I go into work on Monday? Look, God owns the place. I can walk with my head held high and my chest out in confidence because this is my father's world. We do not have to shrink back. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to walk with anxiety. This is my father's world. He's in charge. How would you act if you worked at the company and your dad was the CEO? I think you would act differently. You'd have a bit more confidence. This is our father's world. He's in charge. I love the way the the apostle Paul talks about this. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, look carefully... Oh, excuse me, I missed a part. Um, I wanted to share another scripture. Paul, uh, James ends the passage we just read this way. He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So here's what he's saying. Listen, it's not just, a, 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 it's not just enough to know what to do. Knowing what to do is great. But then you have to do it. Having good intentions, good plans, good ideas is not obedience. Obedience is putting those things into action. And here's the way Paul says it. Ephesians 3. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice what Paul is doing. He's making a connection between being filled with the Holy Spirit and making the best use of our time. Isn't that interesting? But it makes sense. If the power of the Holy Spirit is inside of us and we are walking according to the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, then our priorities are going to begin to reflect God's priorities. Our heart reflects God's heart. Our schedule reflects God's priorities. Be filled with the Spirit, making the best use of the time. Days are evil. The days are short. Our opportunities are limited. You know, I think we can get, like, pumped up. We listen to Hamilton. We're like, not throwing away my shot. And we're like, yeah, man, I'm going to get it this week. I'm going to make the most of my opportunities. I'm going to go after it. And then we, we try it. We're like, this is really hard. <laughs> this is really hard. But the gospel wants us, to, wants us to look at our confidence, not in our own giftings, but in God's presence and power in our lives. Not throwing away my shot because this is my father's world. He's in charge. Finally, our calendar is marked by hopeful waiting, hopeful waiting. When it comes to our time, many of us have regrets. I think when we have a sermon like this, it's easy for us to be like, man, I have been on YouTube just a little too much. Or man, that one season in my life, I really blew it. I wish I could get that one back. Or those years of my life, I feel like I wasted them. Yeah, I hear you saying that life is a mist, and I look back at my life, and there are whole seasons, I'm like, man, I just wasted it. 
But notice James says the question we should be asking is if the Lord wills. The assumption behind that question is that God has a good purpose for your life and it makes sense for us then to align our purposes with God's purposes. That even in our hardest seasons, the seasons where we feel like we blew it or wasted our time, God is even working in and through those God does will. God does have a good purpose. And he takes even our messed up seasons and he weaves them together in his grace for our good. Because that's who our God is. I was thinking this week about the prophet Joel. The people of God during Joel's time had gone through a season of judgment where their crops had been destroyed by locusts. And as you know, crops were the center of the economy, so it was like the economy crashed on the people of God. The bottom fell out. And this is what the book of Joel says, what God says in the book of Joel, to a suffering people. Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And I was thinking about that this week. And you're like, uh, restorate, you're going to restore the wasted and lost years? God, how do you do that? I understand if I crash my car, I can restore it. I understand if I break a vase, it can be restored. We can piece it back together. But God, those years are gone. How do you restore the lost and the broken years? This is part of, this is, this is deep waters right here in the gospel, in the way that God works in our world, that our God even takes our mistakes, our lostness, our wasted time, and those things are subject to his plan. So when we talk about our plans, we take a step back and we realize that God himself has plans. He's been working out from the beginning of all creation his plan. And the center of his plan was Jesus Christ. That God himself was going to step foot onto planet earth. He was going to live the life, leverage his time in perfect obedience and love to God. He was going to live exactly the way God would want all of us to live. And he was going to do it in our place. Then he was going to go to the cross and he was going to die for all of our brokenness and our sin and our lostness and our wandering. Then he was going to rise from the dead in power and release the Holy Spirit for those who trust in Christ. The church of Christ was born and the Spirit lit the flame. We just sang it. And all of a sudden we take a step back and we see this is the center of God's plan. And what he does is he adopts us as sons and daughters and we take our little plans with our messed up seasons and our losses and our brokenness and actually our plans then get connected to God's plan. And what God does is even those lost years later in life, we begin to say that God, even then, even though I didn't see it, I didn't recognize it, I didn't know it, 
that God was actually taking things from those broken years and he was grabbing them, he was bringing them into the future and making them beautiful again. Those broken relationships, God was actually teaching you something. God was weaving a beautiful story even out of your brokenness. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I wonder if this afternoon we think about how we're using our time. And maybe you say, you know, I just need some new priorities. I want Jesus to be first, not only in my heart, but in my calendar. Or maybe you're, set, you're, you're here this afternoon with a lot of regrets. And Jesus is saying, if you bring those to me, I'm telling you, we're going to restore the years of brokenness and loss. And I'm the perfect author. I'm going to weave those into a beautiful story for your life that will go into all eternity. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word, grateful for James's directness. We're grateful for these moments just to reflect on our lives. And together we say yes to you. We celebrate together that you will restore what is broken. You will redeem what has been lost. No one's story is over. No one's gone too far off the rails for you not to redeem and restore. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.